Welcome to Cannon Fodder, a behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Podcast. It's a dragon fire! What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Cannon Fodder. My name's Joe O'Brien. And I am Troy the Dragon Steamboat. <laughs> Oh, man, buddy. A full-on, full-blown young adult dragon fight. It's a dragon fight. It's a walk-off. <laughs> it's, it's a walk-off. It's a walk-off. What a spectacular session. I had fun. such an amazingly good time. And I got to say, I mean, I'm just going to go right into it. Right out of the gate, not only... An epically awesome flashback from Baron. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, planting some seeds that are like, holy shit, great ideas from Grant. But besides that, the the breath weapons, the repeating breath weapons, the it felt like fighting a dragon. It really did, yeah. Straight up. It was one of those things where it didn't go the way we expected. It went pretty much <laughs> the way we expected in a good way. Yeah. You know, it, we didn't need to be surprised. It was a dragon fight, and... It, if you ask me, it delivered. Yeah, it really did. I mean, uh, I, I enjoyed the first time we did it up on top of the uh, tower, um, but that was a lot of like, we need to hide because this thing's going to kill us. Now sure. it was like, we need to kill this. Right. Yeah, um, something about that experience on the top of the tower felt a little hollow, for lack of a better word, because we don't know anything about the dragon. It's just sort of a random treasure hoard we come across. Mm-hmm. Nothing's really on the line, except you know our lives, but we can just get out of there. Where in this case, it would, there was so much build, we knew the story for the most part. Find out at the end a little more about the story of this dragon. Yeah. But we, find, we know this dragon is coming. We know the, the objectives that we're trying to accomplish, and we know... After that charm monster, we know that we have to kill it. Yeah. So that charm monster doesn't work, and it is dominated. This dragon is dominated, and then it just goes to a whole another level. Okay, you're not going to be able to talk this out. Matthew was adamant, by the way, off air, <laughs> before we started recording about how... We should just try to talk to this thing because we have a pretty good argument to pull it away from whoever's given it orders. Right, right, right. And you know, I heard him talking to you about that before we recorded. And like normally, I'd be like, I just fight it. That's more fun than talking with it. You know, like I don't want to, I don't want to play a dragon right now. <laughs> uh, but I also knew that it was under powerful mental control, and that trying to talk to it would, uh, you know, waste a round of combat for the person that tried, <laughs> and also like. It, it would glean more information to you guys about what the dragon's, you know, issue was. Yeah, exactly. I thought that that was a good use of all of those spells. Because, I mean, Skid even knew when he cast the Charm Monster that it's, it's a long shot. He didn't mm-hmm. think it would really happen. But he, this is what Pembroke would do. He would yeah. give it a shot. Learning that information was huge. Yeah. Huge. And huge for Sir Will, too, which comes up in the story. Mm-hmm. That he is... The, the fact that this creature is dominated, again makes him want to go to the next layer of, of this evil because it does not stop with the dragon. It keeps going up, and, and Sir Will, is he's in. He's mm-hmm. in now, and th- just that that reconnection to Iomade, and, and I'll say it again, this is something that I did not explore years ago when I was first playing Pat- Pathfinder. I did not explore the deities. I looked at the deity section, and I just saw 
so, you know, so many pages of stuff that I was like, I, I, I just want to shoot a bow at something. <laughs> and I didn't really get into that aspect of the game. And then I was just telling you recently, as we've been doing more and more Starfinder work, right. that I have really worked my way through all of the Starfinder deity stuff. And I'm starting to know what I want to work with and what I'm thinking about. And I, that's one of the first things I read besides the lore of the world these days, uh, the player that I am now. And it's because I have found that having that deatific sort of focus in a story makes it so much more fun to play a character in these pre-written modules that Paizo puts out because everything is about the deities mm -hmm. in the stuff that they put out. Yeah, I mean, it certainly gives you purpose as a character. If, yeah. you're having, if you're struggling to find a reason to do things, you can always connect it back to the deity. Yeah, and if you're, having, if you're struggling like Sir Will was with what should you do in a morally ambiguous situation, in a tough situation, go back to that inner sea gods guide from Paizo and just they give you so much information about what is and is not acceptable to these to these deities and some of it still might fall into vague areas but at least it'll give you almost kind of like a lawyer you're looking at at, at case law you know you're looking back at previous right, examples right. so for Sir Will he's looking at previous things Iomade had done and said in in tough situations well I'll use that as a guide for my character, I don't know. I think it's a good idea if you're not exploring deities, if you're just sort of trying to do everything based on the, the character's motives. If you have something that's clear and you love, great. But if you find yourself waffling a little bit in the wind, just look, at, look into deities because it could be a really good way to focus yourself. And now, Sir Will, is the purpose has become so clear now. Mm -hmm. and, and to have uh, what happens at the end of the, the episode happen with Atena making this... You know, I don't really want to say heel turn. I mean, why don't you talk about it a little bit? Because you have a little bit more of, of uh, an idea of what is motivating her and why all of a sudden she does this. Was she just bluffing us the whole time, for lack of a better word, drawing us into a trap to light this thing? Well, I mean, uh, no, I think she truly believed you were the Scions. And then you let her down. You found the things, but you wouldn't go through with the ritual. You lied. Oh, so her. we're the liars. You're the, yeah, you lied to her. Now, she is a little crazy, too. She's <laughs> been in a forge heart for hundreds of years. Yeah, she hasn't uh, gone upstairs. Right. Uh, so is there a bathroom down she, there? Oh, it's really, it's really a scene down there. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't get into detail. Um, so on top of her being upset that you lied to her and won't take part in the ritual, what she cares more about is that you won't give her the hammer because right. she knows that you have it. Yeah, and, and that's the tricky part here, which is another... I mean, there is so much packed in to the last 10 minutes, 15 minutes of that session. Mm -hmm. You finish the dragon fight, and you're like, oh, finally. Like, right. It's over, and Let's we survived, and that's incredible. We can take a breather now. Maybe a nice long rest, get all Della's spells back, you know. <laughs> and instead, we are... We run into so many things at once, and, and I think a few more uh, may come up here in, in fodder, but... One that really stood out is that she feels the hammer. So that that means Brander's here. He, I mean, we, it's, it's not very a possible. It's not a shock, but it's like he's. She doesn't say that lightly. I don't think you, as a GM, say that lightly. I think you choose your words carefully, and I think that means he's somewhere. He's somewhere. Well, it's interesting when you first met her. She was like, "I sense the presence of Agrimosh. Uh, can I see the hammer?" And you were like, "We we don't have it." And then, like a little while later, she's like, "By the way, can I see that hammer?" And you're like, "We we we really don't have." You know, it. I never thought about yeah. that. Listen yeah. back, buddy. Listen back. <laughs> <laughs> what is he? A janitor in the cathedral? 
posing as a as a custodian? Yeah, it's very very. I mean, there's just you. This is one that's worth giving a re listen uh, to. I think it's just because it's an exciting episode. But there's just a lot of stuff in there that if you listen very closely, it may let lead you to uh, see things that uh, are coming up. And of course, you're talking about 105 episode 105 slag film. Yes. Where we first, so this was the episode that I reached out to the guys right as we get returned to the cathedral, and I said like. Hey, you guys should re-listen to 105, and I re-listened to it. They did as well, uh, and yeah, it was just. I, and I didn't. I still didn't put together though until you just said that that she was saying, <laughs> "I feel the presence of the hammer." I thought it was just kind of a residual thing yeah, coming sure. off of like they had been with Galabras. They were there when the hammer was taken. Maybe it's a residual effect, and that's what I wanted you to think, right? You know, um, but yeah, very, very, very interesting. <laughs> but you don't have a lot of time to like piece this all out, right? Because now she's pissed, right? And these things rise up out of the slag. These huge uh, and huge in the Pathfinder sense uh, molten ro- roiling things of uh, molten lava with blades shooting out of them <laughs> <laughs> so terrifying so yeah. terrifying and and well we're going so completely out of chronological order here but we're just so excited I mean yeah. that that session to me was one of those ones that's really going to stand out there's the tension of who's going to blow the horn. Right. And Baron steps up. And then there's, you know, Sir Will and Pembroke opening the doors. And oh, and then the stone giant outside that's dead. What is going on with that? Yeah, just covered in feathers and holes. No idea. Periatons, maybe. Uh, so it, it's very, like, confusing already. But we know we have a single-minded purpose here. And that, we blow that horn. That dragon comes flying in and... The what Sirenscape a, you know, was on point, yeah. by the way. Really nice job with the Sirenscape. I Thank love you. Well, all the dragon sounds. Well, that's the thing is there's no shortage of fantastic dragon sound sets in Sirenscape. <laughs> right. It's just the, the classic iconic monster. And so I pulled a little bit from the um, Red Dragon attack on Sandpoint. And uh, there's an underground dragon one that is a sound set that's terrific. And then actually the music was new. I don't know if you noticed that or, or remember that. But there was some fresh battle music in there which came out of the Battle for Wolven Pass sound set, which is a relatively new one that uh, Ben has put up there that is uh, it's called Orc Music, I think. And it's just basically designed for large-scale orc battles, you know what I mean? Battalions mm-hmm. and battalions of battle. Uh, and I just thought it sounded really great for this epic encounter. So I never hear it in the episode. I only hear it when I listen back to it. Yeah, you must in the be episode. So I'm just like tunnel vision and tunnel hearing. But talk about to me an image that I want to see drawn. You know, one of these epic images is that dragon flying in over all the pews. Baron and Della standing there at the forge, waiting specifically to take the fire, <laughs> and Sir Will on Lexington running under the dragon in the same direction so to cool. try to get back. And then up in the choir loft in the distance, Nestor holding his action because he wants to make sure first he attacks Baron. Yeah. But he's pulling two arrows back and just waiting to fire. It's just that would just be a good cool shot image. from like behind Baron. Yeah. Like in the shadow of the um, statue of Minderhall. Yes, yes. Yeah, the dra- the full wingspan of this young adult dragon yeah. swooping into the cathedral. So, yeah, I mean, let's talk about this breath weapon. What was the... Um, what was the how long it's reusable between rounds? every 1d4 rounds so every time i use it i roll a d4 and if it comes up as a 1 i can use it again the next round and that i think that happened 3 times for me I think once I rolled a two, and every other time it was one, 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 one. I mean, Such great rolling. And that is so brutal. Yeah. And, so brutal. And would have been I, – I'm pretty safe, uh, I think, in saying that 
at least Umlo would be dead, and uh-huh. I can't remember who else. Uh, possibly Sir Will would be very, very down, like maybe single digits, if it wasn't for Aram. Yeah. Those channels are so huge. I think Umlo would actually definitely be dead because he went unconscious, and that was after getting, I think he got at least 30 points in healing yeah. during that time. Now, it changes Umlo's on still how it would shake shape. out. Yeah. Oh, really yeah. I mean, he just got brought up. Yeah. He just got brought up. I think he has 20, 20 some hit points. Mm-hmm. So at the start of this ritual with these slags coming out, yeah. slag whatever they are coming out. And we're all down. I mean, Sir Will is in the 70s, I think so, something around there. But that's out of, I mean, with the righteous might, 155. Yeah. So, like, he's he's been hit pretty hard as well. Uh, but when they drew a dragon with AC 30, uh, it's just it's just brutal. <laughs> um, but I do have to say thank you. I will say a, a, a nice off-air thank you for letting me smite a dragon. Oh, you like that. There's <laughs> nothing better, man. There's nothing better than smiting dragons and, like, lich kings. You know, like, th- yeah. those are the best things to smite. You get double damage on the first hit. They're pure evil, man. It's the best. Yeah, well, I mean, that was also foreshadowing Will getting his powers back. Yeah. You know, when when praying at that altar is a lawful evil act. And so Sir Will had already made the decision that he wasn't going to do it. So I just wanted to let you have that smite and uh, see if you would, like, think, oh, I wonder if I'm getting all my powers back. Yeah. And then you got them all back. Yeah, at the, at the uh, death of the dragon, you know, get them all back. It's so cool. But how often do you see in a fight Nestor missing left and right? Yeah. You know, this thing, tough, tough to hit. Where does that come from? Is it is it natural armor? Is it just natural armor so high? Uh, I mean, it's natural armor is pretty high. I gave it the advanced template. I gave it the advanced template when you fought it before, so I couldn't like knock it back down. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, dragons are just no joke, yeah. and this is not even that badass of a dragon. I mean, oh, imagine yeah. the dragons to come. Sure, you guys are going to have to face. Um, but yeah. It never got a full uh, round attack off either because the breath weapon kept coming back, yeah, which is I, great. I kept wanting to use the breath weapon. Yeah. You know, honestly, probably could have done more damage with a full out attack because it has six attacks. Yeah, I think Tail you said whip, six. claw, claw, bite. Wing, wing. Wing, wing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also from the sound set, also going back to Sirenscape, there was a, a, the breath attack sound on there was just great. I mean, it sounded exactly like a fire weapon coming at you. That is so cool. So the... Um, its dex is only 16, so it gets a plus 3 from that. Plus 14 natural armor. <laughs> and then a plus 4 shield bonus because it casts mage armor on itself before it came up. Here's a question that... Uh, Excuse me, it casts shield on itself. Here's a question I'm 90% sure you don't know the answer to. I'm uh, 99% sure you don't know the answer to. Is there a spell out there that can lower a creature's natural armor? Like a druid spell? Because that would be a good one. I mean, there's plenty of... Spells that lower AC, right? I mean, those hexes that lower. Sure, AC. you could you could hex and stuff like um, that. But lower natural armor, I don't know. Speaking of which, not only this dragon, but whatever Orthosh, whatever we're gonna have to face in terms of boss fights coming up, I'm really gonna miss Gormley, and not just for like the electricity <laughs> damage. I'm talking hexes, lowering ACs. Yeah, you know who doesn't miss Gormley? Me. <laughs> That math was such a pain in the ass. Like, oh, wait, all right, so that orc has a minus two to its reflex yeah. save. That one has a... And you cackled, uh, and this one was within 30 right. feet, How so many that's round, extended. What round is it now? How right. many more rounds of this? Yeah, you roll a natural 20. Oh, forget Critical it. threat! And it's like, oh, but it had misfortune, so you need to roll twice and take the lower. God damn it, There's forgot. Such a, which is a, such a pain in the ass for a GM. <laughs> and we have one in our Jade Region campaign, and I'm like, I can't get rid of these witches. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Are they OP at all? I, I 
never hear discussion about that, that they are. I, I haven't come across any. I think they're such phenomenal yeah, characters. Yeah, I don't think they're OP. I, I think they're just – they're GM's nightmare because it's more bookkeeping. But, I right. mean, they're phenomenal uh, just debuffers. Yeah. Wonderful debuffers. Maybe the best. Speaking of which, we're going to talk about a new class we never talked about before in Listener Mail this week. So just Ooh, a little little teaser. Baby. little teaser. Uh, also going to jam another quick teaser here. We have a special giveaway announcement coming up as well. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, exactly. There's so well, much going on. Well, I, you know, there really is so much going on in, in, in the story arc as well. You know, we're getting to this point where with the dragon fight, we are officially off the apex of the roller coaster. And it is going. I was unsure the week before about whether we were really going. Sure. Yeah. And, it, you know, we are because that combat was very important. It is going to ring true in all the combats that, that are now going to come forward from that one. The, the, the roller coaster has, has tipped, but now with that dragon fight uh, going, it is close to full speed now. Mm-hmm. And I did not expect this, to be honest. I expected, when Sir Will stepped away, I expected maybe some level of uh, a chance that those that did partake would be imbued with some sort of temporary power, mm-hmm. something that would give them some juice, you know, and maybe that'll still happen. Sure. I just don't think that you would, like, overlook that and then basically be, like, roll for initiative, these mm-hmm. these creatures came out. And maybe you need the hammer to do it, to finish and really complete the, the power-getting ritual. I, I'm not sure. Either way, I knew Sir Will was not going to be involved in that aspect of it. But at the end, when these things come out of the pit and she's just pissed that we're lying about not giving her the hammer, this is a combat that I didn't expect. So now, just like the one with the, the stone giants up in the in the cathedral proper before the dragon fight, this is another one that I'm like, this is dangerous. Like, we have to be very, very careful. It seems like this old female, you know, oracle and two ads, but like... <laughs> Let's not sleep on what these things could chip away at yeah. before whatever comes next. Because you know, I mean, you know Orathosh's attention has been drawn. And there's a stone giant that's dead outside. So shit is going down. Sparks just flew up. There's smoke billowing out. People are going to notice there's something going on in the cathedral. <laughs> With the forge has been relit. <laughs> it's uh, not I a pig we- roast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'm, I'm going to keep it moving here just because I got... Uh, I got to run. I got a lot going on. What do you got going on in your life, Joe? uh, Let the fans know. The the fans don't know that I am picking up my life and moving and leaving the cradle of the GCP in lovely Astoria, Queens. Good riddance. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And moving out to New Jersey. Mm. Perhaps you've you've heard of it. The cradle of poop. Uh, I will. (laughs) The cradle of poop. Uh, I am moving out to Cranford, New Jersey to begin my official suburban. Uh, life. Wow. With my wife and daughter. We hardly knew ye, Joe. <laughs> yep. It is over. My my 14 years of New York City are over. Uh, obviously, I'll be still working in the city and being in Astoria weekly to record the Glass County podcast. Mm-hmm. But uh, I will be... Yeah, I, I got to move and I'm moving tomorrow morning. So uh, we it's are... crazy. Yeah, we are. We are hustling to get through this fodder, so I'm sorry to rush. Uh, but... Uh, I also happen to know, thanks to our uh, lovely Patreon donor map that you put up on uh, on the site, 
We have a couple supporters in Cranford, buddy. Oh, Cranford, get out of here. So shout out to my Cranford supporters. Dude, you're going to have to get a game going. Yes, yeah, seriously. I have a lot of time for that. <laughs> it's not going to be a problem at all. Commuting two hours uh, to, to Astoria to do a podcast. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, was, I was happy to see that. Uh, and uh, yeah, so anyway, starting over there, but that's why we kind of have to, have to rush this one along a little bit. So I'm going to just, I'm just going to get to it, good buddy. <laughs> sure. Let's do a little Shh. listener man. I'm not helping you move. Shh. <laughs> I never thought you would, good buddy. <laughs> Maybe Nick Lowe will help me. <laughs> he can't lift anything. <laughs> this one comes in from Paul. Uh, from Paul did not say where he was from. Cairo. Paul from <laughs> International Edition. <laughs> Paul from Cairo, Egypt, writes, writes in. Uh, his English is fantastic. Good. Hey, guys, I was wondering if... All hieroglyphics. <laughs> I was wondering if anyone in the crew had ever played or thought of playing any of the classes in the Occult Adventures book. Ooh. Period. That's it. That's the question. That's the question. And I wanted to grab it because... Personally, uh, I am excited to, to talk on this topic for reasons that, that Troy knows. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, let me kick over to you first. Sure. Have you ever played a class in the Occult Adventures book, Troy LaValle? At PAX East two years ago, I sat down and... And that's when it was brand new, right? It was still pretty new. And that's okay. why I was like, I want to play one of these. Yeah. And so I grabbed, I think, the medium. Um, yeah, I, I think I, think I it played was, the yeah. medium. And I mean, it was a one-hour session. And I was kind of like... Cool. Uh, this would be really good in another situation, I think, is how I felt about the medium. And then the only other time I've played it... <laughs> Quick interruption. How often does that happen with, like, one-hour, one-off... Yeah, you get the iconic societies. You're, like, ah, this... you're just like, my character is so completely irrelevant. You know, <laughs> you're doing this, uh, like, hardcore infiltration mission, and you're like, oh, I, I have Sela, the heavy-armored paladin... <laughs> And I'm not sneaking through anything right now. Right. Uh, So, I mean, do you have any kind of broad, broad over... Obviously, you played it for one hour, so you don't really know the class inside now. But what is the mesmerist or the uh, medium? I don't totally remember what it is, but I think basically you... um You you, you have a seance once a day to channel spirits. Is that kind of like preparing spells? Is it like... No, what it does is it's, it's... I think it's similar to drinking a mutagen. Because you channel, oh, so depending on the spirits you channel for the day, you get certain bonuses to your ability scores based on the spirits you channel. So you can channel like a warrior and be have a bo- boost to your strength for the day. You oh, can channel, cool! Uh, you know, th- there's a bunch of different ones. And well, again, you're, you're I'm remembering medium. this from two years ago. Yeah, you're a medium. You 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 channel that spirit within you, and then you get those buffs. You get for aspects the day. of like other classes. Yes, yeah. Oh, that is very cool. I, I think it's cool. I mean, it really, I don't think there's anything else like that except the the mutagens that. An alchemist gets. Yeah, you know, that, that's what I uh, make it akin to, and I think you get it for the whole day. I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. Oh yeah, it was uh, two years ago. <laughs> um, it was pretty cool. Again, I wish I could play it again in a in a better setting, maybe a longer setting to sink my teeth in. Like and a it was strange eons kind maybe of a setting. strange eons. Uh, but like really, uh, not only play it again, but play a higher level character so I get to explore more of its powers. I sure, think you're we playing, playing level one. Level right? one, yeah. yeah. And level two is. I think the medium really breaks open with yeah. some new stuff like taboos and shared seances and stuff Uh, but the one that i did get to really sink my teeth into for a good five 
pretty drunken hours. Uh, <laughs> when we were preparing for Gen Con, we, you, myself, Grant, and Skid were going to run the same adventure that had some differences in this the our, order in which yeah. we run it at uh, Gen Con. So we had Matthew run it for us first. I thought that'd be fun for us to uh, you know, get an introduction to it that way, and then we could go off and prepare it. And so I played Ravani, the iconic psychic. Right. Um, and that was cool. I remember that being very cool. You you pulled out a lot of really neat stuff. Did we play it at level one? I can't remember. I feel I like... I feel like we played it at, at like level four, right? We did. I feel like it was four or... Yeah, because it would be one, four, or seven. Yeah, right? I, I don't think we four. went as high as seven. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because we really wanted to, to dig in. They're cool. Again, another spellcaster. I'll tell you, Joe, when we first started playing Pathfinder again six, seven years ago, whatever it was, I... Uh, after playing my uh, sorcerer for a while, I really wanted to get into the psychic stuff. But at the time, Paizo didn't have any psychic stuff available. But there was a third-party book called Ultimate Psionics. Mm. So I uh, got the PDF. I remember the psionics from like AD&D second edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I really, I don't know why I was so fascinated with it. I really wanted to get into that, Um, you know, when we started a new campaign. So I got Ultimate Psionics and I started playing around with it and I didn't really like it. Um, Um, I, I, it just it wasn't as developed as it is now when they made not only a psychic but six other you know occult classes variations with it. on yeah. it. Yeah. So this psychic, I think, probably at higher levels, gets to do the stuff that I think a psychic can do, like lots of mind control, make someone's head explode with their mind, you know, <laughs> shoot mind bullets, motherfucking mind bullets. Uh, but what they have, and I think all the occult classes have, are these pools to draw from, you, right? You know, similar you to, to grit, grit similar or to key. Grit. And I think you're going to see every class that comes out from now on is always going to have yeah. some element of key. In uh, in the case of Ravani, she has the phrenic pool. And you basically get to draw from that pool all day to give yourself different buffs. Yeah. You, know, you spend, like, just like Baron spends his grip points, you spend your phrenic pool points to get, like, biokinetic healing. You know, when, <laughs> when, when a psychic casts a link spell from the transmutation school, she can spend one point from her phrenic pool to regain two hit points per level of the link spell. Oh, that is very cool. So while you're doing one other thing, you're also healing yourself. Awesome. Really, really. I mean, and there's well, probably about uh, more than a dozen, maybe two dozen different things she can do yeah. with her phrenic pool. I remember you doing like a, a mind thrust. Isn't there a mind thrust in there? Um, well, actually, Joe, you're, you're misremembering. The mind thrust was the mystic when I played the iconic mystic in our Starfinder demo. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That Sorry. was awesome. Whew. I am mixing up universe. Actually, um, same universe, but time. I'm mixing up my time setting. Um, yeah, I mean, there are... I have not played extensively with it, but I'm excited to talk about it because I have told you this already, that I am brewing my, one of my next characters when I get a chance to sit down and play a game. Maybe Skid's AP? I'm not sure. Uh, but something I've been cooking for a while is The Occultist from The Occult. You are Adventures obsessed book. with The Occultist. I am obsessed with this class. Now, I uh, I can't go into, into too great a detail uh, right now, but I want to talk a little bit about it generally and, and explain why I'm obsessed with it. So to start off, when Occult Adventures came out, I just kind of breezed over it mm-hmm. and was not terribly interested in it. Part of the reason is like, look, I play a half-orc ranger, I play a paladin. Like, I like classic classes, and I like and enjoy good guys. I I enjoy playing good guys. And Mm -hmm. while, 
you know, for a while there, I really was on the fence with Will, especially with his brother, uh, the situation with his brother being introduced and exploring the fallen paladin. It did interest me, and it, and it still does in a way. However, when you look at a class like an occultist, right, and you just assume what it is, all I assume is like the bad guys from Indiana Jones movies, right? <laughs> so I'm just like, no, You're I don't. I'm thinking of cultists. Right, I'm thinking of cultists, exactly. <laughs> and, and I just sort of, I put myself in, a, in a, a state of mind that's just like, no, this stuff is not for me. All this weird, creepy, you know, um, Lovecraftian sort of stuff is, I get why people are super into it. It's not really my thing. I'm not super into that stuff. And so I was just kind of like, nah, nah, I'm not that interested. And I honestly don't remember where it was. It was this past year, a few, uh, maybe six months ago, where I, I started reading it, and I'm not even sure really why. I was like, you know what? I never actually read The Occultist because the uh, medium sounded really cool. The spiritualist is very cool. And I and so I just read those more so. I was like, maybe I'll play a character like that at some mm-hmm. point. The Occultist I never even read because I was like, nah, I'm not going to be some evil like summoning um, <laughs> a-hole. And so I never read it. Well, then I sat down and read it. And I- I'll tell you, I am so into this idea now. So basically, it, he's a, uh, a mix. I'll say he because the iconic is a he. He's a mix of a uh, caster and a fighter. So he kind of has elements like a like a magus where he doesn't really have the uh, – he doesn't get plus one att- attack, uh, base attack bonus at first level or anything. Mm-hmm. But he does have some pretty decent abilities to, to fight well in, in melee. He's, he's got some strength ability and his spell casting is fairly limited. And it's limited to objects through which he channels his power. And those objects can be anything. That is fucking cool. Yeah. So to me, it was like it started jumping out at me because I started thinking, how many adventures do you play where the items that you find have such significance, whether they be uh, ancient items or magical items in either case? It doesn't even have to be a magical item. It can be a mundane item or... How about how often people make backstories and then put elements of the backstory into their current character through items, through mundane items, whether it's a necklace that your mother wore or in Lork's case, uh, the, you know, the a foot, the um, uh, rag that he wiped Jason's blood off with. You know, I mean, like he uh. carries this around. It's like these little things. Well, with the occultist, that thing can be it's called an implement and you can use that to channel magical energy and it has multiple uses not only can it channel magical energy if i'm not mistaken there's three different things that each item can do Mm -hmm. it can do uh, what are called focus powers so like uh, I think I'm. I think I'm remembering that right. It's basically you use the implement to use like a like a daily powers that use up your pool. And a, a an occultist pool is called mental focus. So he puts mental focus into an item each day. He takes you know spends an hour and focuses energy into an item to store up magical energy that he then expends later in the day on powers and abilities. And he can split up that focus between his items however he wants. So if he has six points in his mental focus pool, in the morning he can be like, I'm going to put four points in the skull of my enemy, which he carries around with him, and two points into my dagger. (laughs) <laughs> right? And so, like, your dagger is the implement and your skull is an implement. And you can still use the dagger as a melee weapon, uh-huh. but then you can also channel some power out of it, spend those two points to do something. Like what? Well, they all really uh, surround around the schools, like the magical schools. Uh-huh. So, uh, I mean, just 
let's say you wanted to do uh, like abjuration, right? Which is kind of like protection. You can do uh, Aegis as a standard action. You can spend one point of mental focus and touch a suit or armor or shield to grant it a plus one enhancement bonus. Oh, that's that it cool. goes up by one for every six levels. You know, just little things like that. And there's one version of that for every school, mm-hmm. for every different wizarding school of, of arcane magic. So that would be focus. But then there's also an element to it that is just uh, what I would call like uh, constant effect items, right? This is from, say, like this is actually from like Morrowind, this concept of that term of constant effect, meaning as long as it's on you, it emanates a power. So mm. if you focus uh, abjuration ability into that dagger mm-hmm. and you have two points in there, there, there's some, it's called a resonant power. So it resonates power. So even though you can spend those points to do something with it, as long as the points are held in it, it also, we'll, we'll go back to the abjuration school, as long as you're holding it, you get a plus one bonus to saving throws at, oh. all the time. Now, when you spend it to shoot the thing, you lose the resonant power because it's, the power is no longer in the item. Here's the other cool thing. You can give the dagger to someone else and they immediately get the resonant power. Oh, the power doesn't dissipate when it leaves your hands? Nope. Now, they can't shoot out focus powers because that's like your special thing. Uh-huh. But if you have a, uh, a suit, not a suit of armor, let's just say like a coin, right, that holds within it the ability to give you a plus one to hit bonus. And that's mm-hmm. something of the school, you know, whatever it is. Uh, you can give that to another character and they can temporarily get the bonus as long as the power is, is still in the item. That is so cool. So fucking neat. Uh, and then lastly, the item is also a channel for actual spell casting. And the spell casting works like a sorcerer or a bard where you choose a very limited amount of spells that you don't have to prepare. As long as you have the item and the item is charged, you can cast these spells once per day you know, uh, you, you get two spells per day at first level, whatever. It's just like a normal sort of spell casting class. Right. Um, and what's really cool is the item helps you to cast the spells, but you don't absolutely have to have the item to cast the spells. However, you have to make a, I believe, either a concentration check or a caster level check to cast your own spell if you don't have the item. So if the item is either taken from you or you give it to an ally... You could still cast Burning Hands if that's one of the things on your list that you've prepared. Mm -hmm. Not prepared, but that you learned. You can still cast it, but you have to make a roll to see if the spell fails because it isn't as focused through your item. So, I mean, it's a lot going on. but They all seem to have a lot going on, all the occult classes. Yeah, they do. But to me, I think it's so exciting because it it, it delves into that area of item-based stuff. So if you're looking for... Uh, you know these these items to put together for the the forge. Yeah. You know, an occultist, I think, if they wanted to, could take that prayer plate after it's all said and done, and make it into a new implement item for himself and focus energy into it. And now he can walk around with this thing, and it can protect him from stuff. And I I just think that that would it has such great story potential. It, I was just going to say it, it gives a lot of opportunity for the GM to present you with cooler and cooler items. You know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, you know, there's a lot of interplay between the player playing the occultist and the GM. They can work out either in the moment or before sessions to really enrich the overall story. Right. And I, like I that. you know I'm not sure off the top of my head. I don't know the exact numbers, but you get two implement items at first level when you start your new character. And then I think it's every four levels you add another one, something like that. 
until at 20th level you have seven items so you could have one from every school of magic that is channeling power well you're making a hell of a case for an occultist you I'm watch how many you, occultists dude. are going to grow out of this cannon fire people are going to send send them in yeah. show, us, show us your sheets seriously send in some neat builds because honestly I, I don't want to just read you know the, the most maximized build guide from somebody out there that has already done all the math right. I would love to get it from GCP Nation I'd yeah. love to get ideas from you guys about what to build and I, I want to put together an occultist I well, think it would be really fun I think you should get the Ruins of Aslan uh, Player's Guide, since Skid has announced that is the AP. He's that's doing. true. That's true. And uh, see what they say about occultists. <laughs> uh, exciting times. Speaking of exciting times, and and uh, quickly before we we move on, I just want to say thank you so much, Paul from Cairo, Egypt, for letting me rant <laughs> off on my occultists. What a perfectly timed question. Uh, I do appreciate it. And yeah, otherwise, you know, I don't think we, we don't, we never played Strange Eons, obviously. Mm-hmm. We don't have a lot of experience with the occult classes, but I want to try out this occultist and, you know, I'll update it uh, on Cannon Fodder months from now and let you know how it's, how it's going. Yeah, we should all take these uh, iconics out for a spin just to know more about it. Because I haven't even played an occultist as a bad guy. It hasn't yeah. shown up in the Giant Slayer uh, adventure path yet. I've played a ton of oracles. Sure. Um, but yeah, I haven't had a chance to, uh, uh, to be on the other side of the table, which I enjoy uh, just as much as a player. Yeah. So uh, thank you again, Paul, for the question. And I want to move on to some exciting news, which is that we have a special cannon fodder giveaway for GCP Nation. Right. It's really more of a giveaway than a contest. Yeah. We are not going to do a contest contest because it's just uh, we don't want to make this so difficult. We want people there. Right. With Where? us. Where, Joe? At PAX Unplugged. Get out of here. I'm not going. That's right. That's right. (laughs) If you are in Philadelphia, near Philadelphia, or uh, can (laughs) legally get onto an airplane, you (laughs) could be in Philadelphia this uh, just in a few weeks. Yeah. A couple weeks. To, uh, to be at PAX Unplugged. And if you couldn't do it because it's like, just couldn't spring for the ticket, the Glass Cannon Podcast is giving out free three-day badges for PAX Unplugged. Are we giving away one, Joe? Uh, no, Troy, we're not giving away one. Oh, maybe two? We're not giving away two? More than two? Like three? <laughs> Four? Five? We are giving away seven what? passes. What? Two packs unplugged in There's November. $10,000 retail value. value. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I... I Honestly, this a lot of this goes back to our Patreon supporters, and we just cannot thank you guys enough. And those that have have really reached out to support the show in so many different ways. Well, we're we're trying to give back, and if you are one of those people that really wants to support us on Patreon and you just can't afford it, we certainly understand that. If you would love to be a Pax Unplugged and just can't drop the money, that is what we want to hear. So. This is all we want. We just want you to write into us at yeah. glasscannonpodcast at gmail dot com and just tell us. How many tickets you want, badges you want, and why? Now, I, you're much less likely to get any badges if you say you have to get four. So just be aware of <laughs> right. this. I'm going to uh, need four of those seven. Yeah, but that said, you know, if you're a couple and you want to get two two badges, absolutely. Throw it out there and, and tell us why. Uh, we just want to make sure that this goes out to GCP Nation and to the people that, you know, support and love this podcast and just can't quite make it to PAX Unplugged. We want to help you out. We want to get you there. We want to meet you there. We want to see you Friday night. We want to see you Saturday. We want to just hang out, have a good time at PAX Unplugged. And not having a badge shouldn't stop you from not getting in. Exactly. Uh, Just right in the subject line, PAX Unplugged Badge. PAX Unplugged Badge. And, you know, I I don't know. Maybe there'll be a huge outpouring of people who are going to want these, and we're going to have to turn some people away. Um, You know, so just just write to us quickly. If you hear this, write right now. Tell us why, you know, you want to come. Well, that's it. Uh, We got 
gotta get back in, get back down to business next week with these slaggy, slaggy things yep. and that that total turncoat antenna. Who I knew, I knew it, I knew it, Lavalley. Dude, this is gonna be a race to the finish line. Yeah, like just death <laughs> in the in the wake of this race. <laughs> Ioma <laughs> die is on my side. <laughs> Joe's moving out. Joe's moving out. We need to quote more Billy Joel. Really do.